What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, we'll talk about a Blazers loss a little bit, and we're going to talk a lot about Blazers joy. Uh, the Portland Trail Blazers lost 127-94 to the New Orleans Pelicans. This is what the Blazers do. They're 2-19 since the All-Star break. They've lost nine in a row. They are on a journey to lose as much as possible. But instead of spending a bunch of time worrying about losses and 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 the stuff that happens on the court, I want to I want to appreciate this team and what this even amidst a 2 and 19 stretch over their final 21 games, which is very likely to stretch to 2 and 21 to close the season in the final 23 games. 2 and 21. I want to talk positivity, but first let's do let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 127-94. Only down five at, after the end of the first quarter. They actually led for most of that first quarter until the Pelicans kind of came alive in the final four minutes. Found themselves trailing by trailing by 12 at halftime. And Pelicans blew it open in the third quarter, took a 24-point lead into the third. And Blazers, as they've done a bunch cannot score in the fourth quarter 18 just 18 points in the fourth quarter they that's they lose 127 94 that really is your fastest recap in the west drew eubanks led the blazers with 20 points and five boards cj Ellaby had 17 reggie perry 15 off the bench uh, including four steals and two blocks shout out to my man reggie dg didi luzada didi luzada 11 points hit three threes uh and no one else scored in double figures for the Blazers, but I will shout out a pretty fun game from Greg Brown. Four points, seven boards, five assists. Keon Johnson, six points, eight assists. On the Pelican side, CJ McCollum, you may remember him from being a former Portland Trailblazer, finished with 23 points, seven assists to go with four boards and three steals. Uh, Billy Hernan Gomez got 17 off the bench. Uh, when the game's out of hand, you get a backup center doing work. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., former Blazer had 12. Jonas Valanciunas had 14, and Jackson Hayes finished with 11. Pelicans cruised like this. This they cruised. Uh, at least this wasn't one of those Grand Theft Jose Alvarado games where he got three backcourt steals. He did get into a little jawing match with Reggie Perry, um, and they got, they got offsetting tech, so that was pretty fun. But other than that, I, Blazers lose. Do what they do. Nine in a row, two and 19 since the break. Um, this is what they're after. The the most noteworthy thing that came from this game was nothing that happened with the Blazers. Uh, there was a moment in the when Josh Hart addressed the team in the huddle. I think that was captured by Bruce Ely, Blazers photographer, and shared on social media. Uh, I don't believe you could see it during the broadcast, but if you have, if you watch on League Pass with with the League Pass that doesn't go to commercials, uh, you could see it, but not like a real angle of it. But that was notable. Josh Hart said. We need to play a little harder. I thought uh, typically the Blazers during this stretch have played hard. They just have got haven't had enough talent. I thought there were moments uh, in that second and third quarter, in the middle two quarters, where the Blazers they were just playing like a team that knows this run is about to end. They just weren't sharp. Um, that, maybe not like low effort, but just sort of low attention to detail and some moments where you know a rebound bounces and hits the floor and nobody gets in and Najee Marshall chases it down and like little 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 stuff like that where it's like. 
you you just uh when you're undermanned especially and if you're sort of respecting the game they they could have um typically you know just give a give a little more i don't think they played as hard as they have typically that hasn't been a problem and I, that's probably why josh hart was giving them a little bit of the business but the really the, the real takeaway from this game is that the pelicans are almost certainly going to get it, uh ninth now because of this win uh this win coupled with a san antonio spurs loss to the minnesota timberwolves which was ha- happening at the same time of this game Spurs lost by four uh, in Minnesota. The Pels just have to win one of their final two games. They play Memphis on Saturday evening. Memphis is, has the two seed locked up. They've been really good. The end of their ben- the end of the Memphis bench has been really good, but they um, they're getting as I'm recording this, they're, they're getting walloped right now in Denver. Uh, they've got they don't really have anything to play for. Uh, so Pelicans take care of business either Saturday against Memphis or Sunday against Golden State. The the Warriors do have some seeding stuff that might come into play, so they might be trying. But Pelicans win one of their final two games. They're going to be in ninth place, which means they will host a play-in game against the San Antonio Spurs in New Orleans. And if they win that, they will advance to the loser of the 7-8 game with a chance to make the playoffs. If, If the Pelicans make the playoffs, the Blazers do not get the Pelicans draft pick. Instead, they will get a 2025 pick from the Bucks. It is way, 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 way worse for the future of the Blazers if the Pelicans make the playoffs. We will talk a lot about the play-in next week. It's going to be super, super important. But that was the big takeaway from this game. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about anything else in this basketball game. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar that there is. Look, um, I got off my I got off my day job. I had to record a podcast. I had to I had to you know, wrap up the Blazer game and then bring it for the podcast where I was promising positivity. So you know what I did? I grabbed a Bilt Bar, in this case, peanut butter brownie. And I said, I'm going to need all 18 grams of protein in this. And I'm going to be happy that there's only four grams of sugar and just four net carbs would go with 140 calories. That's a pretty good deal. And that's basically what every single Bilt Bar is packing right in that range. 17 to 18 grams of protein and 130 to 180 calories in every single one of those bars. No more than four grams of net carbs. That's, that's a good deal. Pack a punch. Tastes great. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. This promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. So let's talk positivity. I have been pretty harsh on this tank. I'll be honest. Uh, this has worn me down because the Blazers are have been so aggressive. And I, I I've said it and I'll say it again. Props to Cronin because props to Joe Cronin because he he said here's what we're gonna do and boy are we gonna freaking do it. He was not going to. He, this was he was all in on on them being as aggressive as they could be in terms of uh, losing these games. Right. Uh, shutting down players that were maybe not like healthy, but ostensibly could have played through some injuries as guys do all the time in the league. Um, I've, I've heard plenty of whispers that suggest these guys are healthy, even though um, I don't know uh, necessarily, but putting guys on, on long-term injury on, on shutting guys down with what seemingly minor injuries or injuries that came out of nowhere for long-term periods um, signing, you know, basically committing to signing 10-day guys and running rookies and 10-day contract guys and saying, this is the team we're going to roll with. We're going to get a whole bunch of young guys and and, and sort of uh, fringe NBA guys, and we're going to lose a bunch because ta- it's a talent league. And if we just reduce the amount of talent we have, that's the situation that we will, that we will roll through and roll with. Uh, props to Joe Cronin for executing an aggressive plan, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that the games don't matter. I'm a numbers guy. I like I like 
I like looking at, um, you know, the advanced stats and other little, little things, little like statistical tidbits that can help us learn more about the game. An interesting thing here, a trend here. The Blazers have made those things, the things I kind of like about basketball, just meaningless. The, the numbers don't matter. Since the break, they've been the worst offense and the worst defense in the league. And even when you see little stuff, um, the numbers don't really bear it out because they're getting wallops. They just get, they get smacked around a bunch. So I have been a little, a little frustrated with the tank. I get it. I think it's a sound strategy. The Blazers are doing the right thing. But to me, it's a bummer because it doesn't make it any... The lead, the NBA incentivizing teams to make the games unimportant is bad, but I want to recognize that there are some, if not positives, some opportunities that guys have been able to seize upon that otherwise wouldn't have happened. And I want to start with talking about Greg Brown, the third and Keon Johnson, because I think those two more than anyone have, um, not more than anyone, but those two certainly have, because shout out to my man, Drew Eubanks, and we'll talk about it later in the show, um, those guys have have just straight up improved in front of in front of our eyes, right? Like they just have. When Keon Johnson first suited up for the Blazers, he did not look like he was a capable NBA player. Now he's diming up. He's you know has eight assists. He's making multiple threes. He's he's still making mistakes. Um, you could still see some of the struggles and all those things. I don't think either Keon or Greg Brown are likely to be part of the rotation next year, and I think that's fine. They're young guys finding their way. Um, you know, rookies and second year guys, particularly guys who come to the league as young as they do, they take a little while to get some seasoning. That's kind of how developmental parts work. Is like you. You need some time to get there because if you were if you were more developed, you'd be drafted in a different position for sure. Um, but Keon has taken massive steps. Uh, his his he maybe doesn't make the reads at the speed that you would want, but he's improved dramatically as a passer. He started when he first was playing regular minutes for the Blazers. He couldn't hit anything from three. Now he's a relatively reliable three point shooter, shooting over thirty seven percent from three for the season. Like he's been over the last six games straight up hot from three hot um shooting really well he's having some nice nights that's a huge skill and a huge sort of swing skill that will define much of his career and if you had had a, such a tiny little sample size and just like a little bit of key on he might not have ever gotten the reps the confidence the sort of um the ability to take and make those shots with impunity knowing that he's going to get a super long leash and just a whole bunch of leeway to go ahead and figure it out man and he has and he he you know he didn't have a particularly good game against pelicans but he's taken real strides and if you've watched the games and i know that maybe some of you are listening to the podcast but not uh tuning into all the games it's i i believe it and i still appreciate you but like he's taken real strides and that opportunity doesn't come with this wild aggressive tank job same with same with greg brown greg brown was not an nba player he was a long way away like super duper duper raw and he still has his moments where he's there but greg brown is like taking and making spot up threes he's working the baseline as a cutter he's just much more in tune with how he fits in on the offense those are the type of things that don't happen in bit parts they don't happen you I don't believe that you need necessarily NBA seasoning to improve, uh, to become an NBA player. Like, I think you can improve behind the scenes. Your skill level gets really high. You get thrown into the game. You can play. You can contribute. You're good. Like, I, I, I truly believe that. I don't think you necessarily need these minutes. But the minutes help. They help your reps. They just, the reps help your feel. They help your confidence. They help you kind of fi figure out when the skill level maybe isn't as developed, how you're going to fit with your sort of lower skill level. And, and I have seen Greg Brown do that. He had a couple lob dunks today where, you know, he's always been a guy who can 
fly and tries to dunk everything and puts together crazy highlights, but a better sense of when to cut, how to cut, how to read Brandon Williams driving, how to read his defender so he makes sure he sneaks in um, uncontested or at least for a for a chance that he will have before the defense is set. He wasn't always doing that. He was just trying to, you know, grab the rim and do crazy dunks and committing uh, uh, goaltending violations. Like he has improved and you can see it. And it's not just, I know it's like, not, I'm said for both guys, three point shooting. It's the big skill for everyone in the league, but particularly sort of guys like them who are going to play some off the ball minutes. Keon is probably at his best is a point guard, right? Like that's the best version of Keon as a point guard. But I think for the early part of his career, he's going to be an off off ball type of guard. He's going to be get minutes because of his defense and because of his shooting. That's how he'll get in there. And I think he's shown some, you know, he's not always great on defense, but when the ball's right in front of him, we've seen some moments where he locks in defensively and, and uses that athleticism and, and like a want to uh, a give a heck level on defense that, that is really impressive. And I think Greg Brown has improved dramatically dramatically in a way from being like an just not at all close to an NBA player to like having some nights where he's pretty darn good now again all of this is like grain of salt because the Blazers are getting walloped they're getting rocked they're getting beat by the worst teams in the league they're finding ways to lose to Houston twice and OKC twice and all those things but like if you watch the games, you're watching these guys develop right in front of you. And some of this, like sort of my frustrations with tanking, I'm trying to, at least in this moment, channel into saying, hey, for sure, Keon Johnson has improved. And for sure, Greg Brown Jr. or Greg Brown III, excuse me, has improved without a doubt. And I can appreciate that. And those aren't the only two gentlemen I can appreciate. I can also appreciate guys who have taken advantage of an opportunity and probably shown that they can belong in the league. And when this season started, were either not in the league or didn't know if they would belong. So let's talk a little about Drew Eubanks and Brandon Williams, guys who have absolutely seized this opportunity and probably have made themselves money and maybe saved or jump-started their careers with their production during the Blazers' tankathon to end this season. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action they got more lines more props more odds on anything and everything so if you want to bet on the final weekend of the nba's regular season go for it you want to bet on the play-in games next week go for it you want to bet on the playoffs it'll all be there with lines props odds live in-game betting uh, player props team props combo uh, player combo with multiple team props all of that plus every other sport you can imagine so don't wait go take advantage today go to betonline.net that's bet online where the game starts still a pass first point guard still mike richmond you are still listening to Locked on Blazers, and we're still preaching positivity amidst the 2-19 stretch for the Trailblazers. We talked about Greg Brown and Keon Johnson. Those dudes have just improved. Improved. Um, I don't think they've taken the leap where you've found some gems, but I think these next guys might have. Brandon Williams looks like an NBA player. Uh, Brandon uh, Williams did play in this game. He had missed the previous game with quad contusion. He came off the bench and was reportedly on a minutes restriction in this game. And he comes back in, and he, he has some flashes where you're like, Oh yeah, that dude is probably an NBA player. And that is such a long way from where Brandon Williams came. When Brandon Williams showed up in Portland on that 10-day contract, I didn't know who he was. I'm not a big college basketball guy, so I didn't remember him in Arizona. Um, I literally had never seen him play basketball until uh, in, until he played four minutes in those uh, in the, his first Blazer stand. He gets, you know, appears in two games and a 10-day contract amidst um, a COVID outbreak, like just the worst possible time to make your NBA debut because you know you're a short-timer. Uh, and and he's gone just like that. And then the development of of 
of many, you know, one of the, the real positive developments of the season is Trenton Watford's step forward to look like from a second round undrafted guy to getting a, a converted from a two-way contract to a guaranteed NBA contract and looking like a dude who's like a back end of the rotation, but like regular contributor on an NBA team. Um, and, you know, on a really good team, who knows when Trenton plays, but like on a decent basketball team, Trenton will, will very likely be in the rotation because of his mix of feel on defense, uh, ball handling and playmaking skills. And he's got some athleticism to beast past little dudes and to use his quicks to get past bigs. Like he's, he's intriguing. He gets an opportunity, and that opportunity creates a, an area for Brandon Williams, a lane for Brandon Williams to sign a two-way contract, sign a multi-year two-way contract, a chance, and basically a two-way contract is just a chance to prove it. You're not getting paid NBA money. I mean, you're making five hundred thousand dollars. It's it's a it is better than um, and it certainly has been to be a two-way player. I think the NBA has figured that out. Where those that job isn't like a hundred and eighty thousand dollar job if you're in the NBA and you're going to be on the on you know on the roster for for all eighty two games. Uh, like you need to be compensated at least somewhat similar to what the NBA minimum is. So like he's got a good gig. He's not making crazy NBA money, but he's making a bunch of money. Um, and he's, he's getting a chance to prove that he can take that jump, the, the jump that Trenton Watford did. And Brandon Williams looks like an NBA guard. Like he looks like a backup point guard. He's got a whole bunch of wiggle. It's hard for not, if you don't put a lot of length on him, he's beaten guards who are in front of him and he can pass. He can get to the cup and finish in a whole bunch of different ways. And he's while he hasn't been a great shooter, he's shown enough standstill three-point shooting that it opens up the drive. And his his ability to just create off the bounce and score will very likely get him a chance to play in the league for several seasons. This opportunity, you know, opened up by Trenton Watford's development and then created by the Blazers' sort of situation where they were going to skew young, Brendan Williams probably got himself a chance in the NBA with this opportunity. If the Blazers aren't tanking, this doesn't exist for Brandon Williams. Maybe he gets a two-way contract, but he doesn't play like this. He doesn't play, he doesn't get this opportunity. He doesn't have this production. He isn't leading, he isn't the team's leading scorer after the All-Star break like he is now. Uh, he, he, I haven't checked the updated odds. Drew Eubanks was right on his heels and might have passed him. But like, Brandon Williams is, was is if, if Keon and, and Greg Brown weren't gems, Brandon Williams might be a, a gem. Might be a might. They might have. The Blazers might have really found something. Now on a team with Amphrey Simons and Damian Lord, it's not like Brandon Williams is going to have a big minute role. But he can he can hoop. And if you need if you need a backup point guard or an emergency point guard, he can play and score in this league, and he's shown that. And you wouldn't know that without this situation the Blazers are in. A true positive from the strange world of tanking land. And really, I think one of the things that I truly haven't said enough on this podcast is what a damn cool thing it is for Drew Eubanks to be as good as he is as a Blazer in his hometown. You know, he didn't grow up here. He went to high school here. He's, he grew up in Starkville, Mississippi, but he went to high school here. He's a, he's a product of Reynolds High School in Troutdale. He's the freaking shack of Troutdale. He went to Oregon State. He went undrafted, and he was a two-way guy who spent three, you know, three and a half seasons with the San Antonio Spurs, but was was a two-way guy and then signed an NBA deal and then, you know, wasn't really playing, was going to be was was basically had lost his spot in that in on a on a, a Spurs team that was also kind of going with developmental minutes. Now they've been a little more successful than the Blazers, but they also haven't had the injuries and and sort of the aggressive pivot that the Blazers have had. But Drew Eubank showed up here and he's played the best basketball of his life. He had twenty points tonight. He's had he's had uh, ten consecutive games of or excuse me fourteen consecutive games of ten straight points. 
He's he's scoring in double figures. He's flirting with a double-double. He's an incredible hook shot artist. He made a lefty hook. He's been a righty hook monster. He's he's got touch around the rim. He plays hard as hell. He's um he will beef with you if you are physical with him. He'll be physical. Like tonight, he got overpowered a couple times by Jonas Valanciunas because Jonas Valanciunas is gigantic. Uh and that's what Jonas does. But he was he was he stands right in there and is physical and takes contact. Drew Eubanks will be on an NBA roster next season because of his production with the Blazers. Will he be on the Blazers? I it's funny, fans of like I've seen like uh fans projecting the roster for next year, and almost everybody has Eubanks on the roster. It's like he's just been on a million ten days. Like who knows if they commit to him or what it is. But if if he's not in Portland, I believe Drew Eubanks will be on an NBA roster next year because so many teams need bigs now with the way the um you know, there there aren't many post-up bigs, but every team needs like one more body to guard Joel Embiid, one more gu- body to guard Nikola Jokic, one more body to guard Carl Anthony Towns. Like everyone needs sort of an end, end of the bench center. It's it's just, it's true. And Drew Eubanks has proven he could be that. And he doesn't get that opportunity. He doesn't get that chance without this situation. And he's taken the most of it in his hometown. It's cool as hell. So I am legitimately really happy for Drew Eubanks. I don't think I've said that enough here. I'm legitimately happy. This is a really cool, fun story. It sucks that the Blazers get just waxed all the time, that he's won, you know, two games here or whatever it is. Um, it's it, it kind of sucks that that's the situation it has to be, but Drew Eubanks has, has, has kept his NBA dreams alive here in Portland. And he's done it in his hometown. He's done it in front of, you know, the people, he, his community they went to high school with, with his, his parents in the stands. It's cool as hell. That's really fun. So as negative as I've been about the tank, as kind of frustrated as I've been about it, and I have been, I think there's some, there are some bright spots. The development and, and the, the obvious improvements of, of Greg Brown and Keon Johnson and the chances to like have and continue an NBA career for Brandon Williams are just undeniable positives immense, uh, um, immense or amidst rather just a stretch of suck. Like this stinks and, and tanking stinks. It's hard to, it's, it's not hard. Many of you are very good at it. It's stupid to root for your team to lose. It's it, the, the NBA needs to fix incentives where at the end of the year, Oklahoma City and Portland don't play multiple games where both fan bases are rooting for their team to lose. That's broken. But amidst all the brokenness, there's been some real positives. I also want to say this. This is the 1,000th episode of Locked on Blazers. I didn't do all of them. I've only been around for about 540 of them. The first 460, maybe a little bit less, were hosted by my friend Eric Gunderson. And then he passed the baton to me. And I've been doing this since uh, February, late January, February of 2019. It is a joy to be able to do this. Every day, on the mic, and you, dear listener, commit time to listening to me or watching me on YouTube. I truly appreciate it. We've done a thousand of these things. And we're going to do a thousand more. This is just the beginning. I didn't know this was the 1,000th episode. Here's full disclosure. I was going to share something. Uh, I, was, I was tweeting out the, um, the podcast from yesterday. We did a listener summit where three listeners, uh, Scott, Rachel, and Ben, this really fun episode, joined the program. You should go listen to it. And I, I clicked on the, uh, the whatever, the, the link that I have to share it, and it said 999 episodes. And I said, oh, so t- t- Fridays today, Friday, April 8th, uh, is, is the 1,000th episode of Lockdown Blazers. It's a cool little meaningless milestone. But in, a, in amidst all of this, I wanted to make sure a thousand was positive. 
The Blazers haven't given us a ton of joy, but joy is incredibly important to me. I'm ready to watch basketball that matters again. I'm ready to watch a team try to win basketball games. I am absolutely there. But the fact that the House of Blazers go 2-19, and that y'all are still listening and commenting on YouTube and sending me emails at LockdownBlazersPod at gmail.com and sharing uh, my posts on Twitter, it means a lot. I appreciate you. Let's do a thousand more episodes or at least 560 more from me. Thanks for making the last three years fun. And thanks for being part of this growing community. It means so much to me. Guess what? The thing about doing another 540 or so episodes is we'll be back on Monday. The Blazers season ends Sunday night. They play Dallas and then they play uh, Utah in their final home game. They're going to honor Bill Shonley and do some fan appreciation stuff at, at Sunday's at Sunday's final home game. And that'll be that. So the next time I talk to you, the Blazers season will be done. We'll be moving into looking at the play-in. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to draft stuff. We'll, we'll, it'll, it'll be the, we'll be for real in off-season mode. So thanks for, we will do, you know, post-mortem on the Blazers season and all that. So thanks for rocking with me this season. Come back on Monday for for a, a look back at the Blazers' season and what happened this weekend and the final standings, and we'll talk about all that stuff. We'll keep it rolling. More draft stuff, more interviews, more fun. Come back and join us. Tell your friends to do the same. Available wherever you get podcasts on all platforms. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be right there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.